Today is Monday, September 4th. The title for our devotional is Taste and See. Happy Labor Day, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the end of summer. This week, we are doing the same thing that we did last week, where I asked some other folks from the church to write a devotional for us, and today we're hearing from Andy and Kristen Hodges. Have you ever been to a restaurant and tried out a new food? After you placed your order, and as you're waiting for it to be prepared, you could wonder if you made the right choice to be adventurous or if you'll be disappointed by your boldness. And then the moment finally comes. You see your server bringing out a tray from the kitchen. As the food gets closer, you can smell its intoxicating aroma. And depending on the dish, you may even hear it sizzling. Once it's arrived at your table, it's close enough to reach out and touch. You can't really determine if your choice to try something new was worth it until you taste it. Psalm 34.8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. It's likely for a good reason that the psalmist chose to use this sense to describe how we can experience God. Just take a minute to think about the amazing way he's wired us to experience our world through our five senses. Of all our senses, taste is so unique. It's not our strongest sense. And it's not the one we rely on most. But could you imagine if it was? Yet, like our other senses, it can be developed. Regardless of how refined of a palate we have, it's not often that we taste something that's truly disgusting and then continue to eat. Even so, many times, we can be satisfied with the bland and mundane in place of something that's truly good. As Jesus is addressing a group of Pharisees, as recorded in Luke chapter 15, he tells a few parables of things that were lost a lost coin, a lost sheep, and finally, a lost son. Although these stories are familiar for many people, there's more to these parables than meets the eye. In the third account, often titled The Prodigal Son, Jesus describes a man who had two sons who didn't love him, but only loved his things. This youngest son is so intoxicated with the idea of freedom from his family that he chooses to do the unthinkable. He demands from his father his inheritance, thus declaring to him that he wants nothing to do with him, essentially saying, Dad, you're as good as dead to me. Give me what's mine. Remarkably, the father grants his youngest son's request. He gives up one-third of his estate to him and allows his son to venture off to fulfill his deepest desires. If you know the story, you know where it's headed. The son gets a taste of freedom and he hungers for more and more. He can't stop living for his worldly, fleshly desires, and his belly becomes his god, and he uses his father's wealth to fund his feast. But he never gets enough, and he eventually runs to the end of his rope. He loses all of his inheritance, and on top of that, a severe famine arose in his country. Without the freedom of resources he once had, and in order to simply survive, he gets a job feeding pigs, and he finds himself hungry again, not for freedom from his family or for the power that he once had. Instead, he's simply hungry for the food that the pigs ate. What a drastic turn of events. As the young son considers how awful his situation has become, in light of the life that he threw away, he starts to hunger for something else. He remembers how well treated he was in the father's house. He doesn't consider himself worthy of being his father's son, but he hopes that maybe his father will have enough mercy to treat him as one of his hired servants who always had more than enough bread. So that's what he plans. He prepares an apology and what words he'll say to petition his father to forgive him. On his journey back home, he rehearses just how it'll go, saying, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. As he was finally nearing the house, yet while he was still a far way off, 
His father saw him approaching, and being moved with compassion for his son, he ran out to him, and he hugged him, and he kissed him. Even though he's likely shocked by his father's compassion, the son still feels compelled to voice the apology that he has practiced. He starts with his rehearsed words, but his father won't even let him finish. He interrupts him and instructs his servants to give his son the best clothes, to prepare the best feast possible, and he instantly reinstates his son back into his family. At the start of the well-known story, the father in Jesus' parable turns his son over to his dishonorable passions. He allows his son to experience what life would be without him. And in doing so, his son grasped on to thing after thing that never fully satisfied him and discovered that they were all meaningless. He got all his father had to offer, but he lost the father in doing so. After he had gotten all the world had to offer, all he wanted to do was dwell in his father's house. If you're in a season of life where you feel far off from God, or maybe someone you love has exchanged God's truth for a lie and God has turned them over to do what ought not to be done, just know that God is working out good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Just like the loving father in Jesus' parable, it's in his nature to not only be jealous of his children, but also to be joyous when they repent and draw near to him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Take refuge in him and be blessed.